All right, Sunday school. Uh, let's turn to Second Timothy. Second Timothy this morning. So we're going to continue down the same path we started last Sunday morning for Sunday school, and that was understanding uh, basically that that doctrine matters. Our teaching, our understanding of the scriptures matter. And we're gonna we're walking through the pastoral epistles very quickly. We looked at First Timothy last week. Um, we almost made it all the way through. And then so this week with Brother Dan still out, they're they're right on the verge of making it back, coming out of their um, their sickness. Good. So we're gonna we're gonna walk through Second Timothy this morning. Uh, just a reminder, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are letters from Paul to Timothy and Titus, who are elders or pastors of churches. And so we know these three letters as pastoral epistles. And one of the things we wanted to make sure we understood as, we've, um, as we're looking at our catechism each month as we think about our statement of faith and as we search the scriptures, uh, we want to understand how important the teachings of the Bible are, right? And we just can't set them aside. We can't just decide the ones we like, the ones we don't like. It is very, very, impo- very, very important that we are grounded in what God has said, Um what did Jesus say to Satan as far as uh, how important the Word of God is? Anybody remember how important it is? What did Jesus say in response to Satan? Come on, somebody knows. As Satan, Satan told him to turn the rock, the rocks into stone because Jesus had been uh, fasting for 40 days. He was tempting him. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word of the mouth of God. And so we want to understand how important it is, uh, how important the words of God are. And, of course, Jesus was quoting uh, from the Old Testament. But before we look at all of 2 Timothy, just sort of a theme for our understanding of what we're doing. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And we'll see this in context later, but I just kind of wanted to throw it out here this morning before we begin. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So that's what we're trying to do, as we're trying to see in these two, three letters. I don't know if we'll do Titus next week or not, or if Brother Dan will get back into his, his normal routine. But we're trying to see how how greatly important it is that we don't have sloppy doctrine. Because as, as we said, um, it's a slippery slope when you start on with sloppy doctrine. It leads you to destruction. It, ta- it leads others um, to, uh, to potential uh, destruction as well. So let's, uh, let's start at verse 1, and we're going to do like we did last time. And we're just going to read until we get to a spot that we have to take notice of. And there's probably about four to five 
spots that are really important in 2 Timothy in our understanding of doctrine. Okay, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. All right, let your ears perk up right now. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. So hang on to that passage about Timothy's mother and grandmother and them passing down the faith to him. All right, uh, okay, verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power, love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. A teacher, that's an important word there. Which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. Now, let's stop here. So, Paul is a a minister of the gospel. He's suffering for the sake of the gospel. Um, He's not ashamed in what he has believed or in whom he has believed. And he's convinced in verse 12 that he has been entrusted to something. What has he been entrusted to? Well, the answer is in verse 13, sort of implied as he tells Timothy... Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And so Paul on the road to Damascus was had an encounter with Christ, was converted from a um, let, let me use his own words, a blasphemer and persecutor and insolent opponent of Christianity of Christ. He hated Christ and Christianity. He hated it. But after Christ had come to Paul, not only did he save him, but he handed down to him personally his teaching. He was taught by Christ. Okay? Unlike anything we could imagine, like we're we're led by the Holy Spirit to seek the Scriptures and to be taught by Christ through the Holy Spirit. But Paul would say that he was taught himself by Jesus. Okay, and so Jesus handed down the gospel to him, the teachings 
that he entrusted to him. And now Paul is now handing them down to others, to Timothy and pastors and alike and those whom he's teaching. And so anytime that he says he's teaching, that's what he's doing. He's passing on the faith that was delivered to him through Christ. Here's what I want you to understand is as we focus so much on right teaching, right doctrine, understanding the word is verse in verse 13 is that right doctrine has to lead to right worship and right living. If you know it all, it makes no 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 difference if you're not living it. If the if the right doctrine is not affecting you, then you just are puffed up with knowledge, which is a very easy thing to do. Because if you look at verse 13, he says, follow the pattern of the sound words or healthy words that you have heard from me. So that's the teaching that he's passing on to him. But do it and and follow the pattern in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. It's not just be filled with the right words, but be filled with the right words And then let that flow to you and from you in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And you don't want to add anything extra to it. Right. Or take anything out of it. And then in verse 14, look what he says. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, that would be Christians, believers, those who are in Christ, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So what, what is it? That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the teachings that have been handed on from Christ to the apostles and then go and then on forward. And then in 15, he says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, we have to understand that they didn't necessarily turn away because they didn't like Paul, but what we what we'll gather on later is that when Paul says they've turned from him, they've turned from his teaching. They've turned from the gospel. They've turned to the, from the words that he has been proclaiming. And then verse 16, and then he speaks of someone who has remained with him. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of one Sephorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day, and you will know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Okay, chapter 2. Now, we're going to see this idea that Paul was given something to be entrusted to him, and that he had to then pass it on to others. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So this is what we're to do as the church. We're to receive the word and then give the word. Receive the word and give the word. Now he's doing he's talking about it in the context of more than likely men who are leading in uh, in, in office at the church men who are leading um, these church homes, but we can also take it down to the sense of men who are leading homes. Like it, the, the, this passing down of the truth doesn't stop here. It goes, to, it goes to every one of you 
and especially to you men, to then take it home and be basically be a shepherd at home and teach. Right. Feed your flock, which is your flock. Uh, verse verse 3. So then he goes on to explain what it looks like to do this. And so just because I say, you know, take the truth, the gospel of Christ and go home and lead your family. Verse 3, 4, and 5, and 6 help us understand that it's not a walk in the park. Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So anyone who's going to remain faithful and hold and try to guard this good deposit, who's going to hold on to the gospel, will suffer for the sake of it. Um, verse 4, no, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. All right, guys, so let's read this again. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So God's enlisted you. We're just going to talk in the form of, of shepherding your home. Um, and th- this can also apply to Christian life in general or pastoral life. You go to shepherd your family or live the Christian life. You're going to get... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, distracted. You're going to get distracted. Um, it's really easy for us to get distracted in civilian... Okay, so a soldier gets a, gets a, um, orders, right? To go do their job from their, from their commander. You've got the orders. Go and do it. What Paul's saying, when you get your orders, don't get distracted by civilian pursuits, things that are outside of what your orders are. Hold, hold fast to your duty and what the orders you've been given to. So go and 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 and, and teach and lead and guide and live, uh, looking to please the one who has enlisted you, Christ. Verse five: An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Okay, I mean, we could we could take this a couple different ways. But basically, verse 5 says, we do it the way God has ordered and designed, right? You don't, you don't play the game however you want to. You're not going to receive your crown if you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk this life the way I think is best, the way I think is going to please God. No, you, you walk the way God has told you is pleasing to him. Verse 6, it is, hard, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So, can't be lazy. It takes work. Verse 7, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ. We're about to get to another point here in, in, in the necessity of uh, true teaching. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel... Now, Paul says my gospel, not in the sense of it's different from the gospel that is, is Christ. No, remember that the gospel he has was given to him by Jesus. Okay? So his gospel is Jesus' gospel. So he's preached it. He's proclaimed it. 
He says, for which I am suffering. He's suffering for this this, uh, gospel he's preaching. Bound with chains as a criminal. Now, here's where it gets good. He's he's in prison writing this letter. But look what he says at the end of this verse. The end of verse 9. But the word of God is not bound. He's bound. Paul's bound. But the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not bound. Now, you pervert that gospel, and it's as chained as anything. You add or remove from it, and it's as handcuffed as, as Paul is. The power of the gospel is in its is only there as it's as it was given to Paul in its truest sense. A misunderstanding, a misapplication, a misteaching of the gospel has no power with it all, within it at all. And so Paul says in verse 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus by the eternal glory. Okay, so he says, I want to go work my tail off so that those who God, are, those who God is going to call and save, I want, them to, I want them to be saved. But he's in chains. So how's he going to do it? To prisoners. The... Well, but, but the power isn't in him. It's in the gospel. It's in the word that he's preaching. And Mike's right. Paul, in the, when he tells the Philippians, when he writes the letter to the Philippians, he's saying, God's basically bound me to this guy right here, and I'm preaching the gospel to him. Um, and so the power to save comes from the preached word, the proclaimed word of God, because it is not bound. Uh, he then says, the saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Verse 14. Remember then of these things and charge them before God. I'm sorry. Remind them of these things. So remind... Timothy, remind your people, those whom you are, have been given charge of, those, those whom you are uh, pastoring and preaching to, those whom you are having oversight over, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. So don't get mixed up in uh, vain words, but remain true to true doctrine, the gospel, what I have uh, passed down to you. And then we get verse 15. Well, let's not move too fast. The last few words in verse 14. When you quarrel about empty words, it ruins the hearers. It ruins the hearers. Verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, why would that be? Let's go back to to 1 Timothy and remember what he said to to Timothy in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. Verse 16 of chapter 4. So he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, Do your best to be one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Why? Verse 16 of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. Keep a close watch on yourself. And on the teaching, persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself 
and your hearers. You mess it up, what did he say? You will ruin your hearers. And ultimately, you will ruin yourself. Yep. Verse 16. So in, 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 in oppos- opposition of rightly handling the word of truth, avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. So your teaching, Timothy, is super important because, not, because it will just lead them away from the Lord. Verse 17. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Do we know what gangrene is? It's an infection. An internal, and it spreads throughout the body and kills all that it comes in contact with. And so, uh, number one, a a mishandling of the truth here, it's like an an infection that spreads. You know, and then from, from the person, and then on, and on and on. So then he speaks about uh, a crowd who has been affected by this. Verse 17. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth. Now, their, their misapplication or misunderstanding of doctrine, their false teaching was saying that the resurrection had already happened. And Paul says they are upsetting the faith of some. Ah, oh, that word in the Greek, upsetting, is different. It's got, a, it's got more of a oomph to it, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, we'll have to check that out another time. But their false teaching, their, their swerving from the truth, was upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Verse 20. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, let or he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace among with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, You know that they breed quarrels. Men, we talked about that Tuesday morning. Quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So the false, false teaching, uh, uh, poor, um, how do we say it? Sloppy doctrine is, is loved by the devil. He's all up in it. And he... Uh, yeah, that's basically in verse 20. It's a, it's a trap of the devil. 
All right, verse chapter 3. Mm-mm. But understand this. In the last days there will come times of difficulty. Now, I want you to understand something. Paul's not referring to the, like, the end of time. He's referring to his moment and on. So after the time of Christ's ascension. They were in the last days. We are in the last days. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, uh, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. So all those people are going to look like they're godly, but deny its power. Avoid such people. Among them are those who crept into households and captured weak women. Men, that's why you better know what you need to know. That's why you need to lead and guide your households. Because some snake could stand up here or on the TV and mislead your family. And wrong doctrine and wrong teaching. Capture weak women burdened with sin and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men, those who come into these houses, those who are trying to, um, uh, who are, have an appearance of godly but deny his power. Uh, They opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to them, plain to all, as was of those two men. Now, listen carefully. You, however, Timothy, have followed what? My teaching, my doctrine, my conduct. So notice, he doesn't say, you just know what I know. He says, you know what I've taught you, but you've also followed my way of life, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, who all, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, and evil people, imposters, will go on from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Now here we go. But Timothy, as for you, when all this is going on, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So let's go back to chapter 1, verse 5. Paul says, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you and well. Now go back to chapter 3 and look again at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood... You had been acquainted with the sacred writings. So grandmas, teach those little babies the truth from the scriptures. 
just like just like Grandma Lois did to Timothy. Moms and dads, teach them the truths of the Scripture because it is what makes them wise for salvation uh, in, through faith in Jesus Christ. You teach them poorly, wrongly, it will ruin them. It ruins them. But you acquaint them with the sacred writings, with the doctrines of Scripture, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it makes them wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this. We don't really have this problem yet. Do not depend on their Sunday school class. Do not depend on that your children are sitting and listening to me on Sunday mornings. You get to see them, parents, uh, what is it, 80-something hours a week? They might be in Sunday school for 35 minutes. And you think they paid attention all 35 minutes? Absolutely not. Yeah. Plant the Word of God. Dads, it's, if, it is not up to the moms. We cannot leave it to them. All scri- uh, I'll just make this point. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Didn't say moms. said fathers. Now, that doesn't mean the mother can't teach. My, my wife teaches my kids the catechisms, the memory, the memory verses, but it's my... If they don't, I'm the one that gets held accountable for it. I'm the one that's going to be responsible and stand before God when it comes to our kids. Just as I will have to stand and account for uh, the people of Ozarks Bible Church. Okay, back here now. It gets even better. Verse 16. All Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. And for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We could send our kids to the best schools. But what But what do we really want them to be trained in? We want them to be trained in the scriptures, in righteousness. We want them to be equipped for every good work. Now... Here, what we can't get ahead of ourselves. You must be as well. You have to be as well. The student will be like their teacher. That was, that was Jesus. The student will be like their master. That's not uh, Karate Kid. Amen. So we have to understand. We don't just say, I want my kids to have... What's good and right by God? It's got to be. It's got to begin with us. Okay, it gets even better. Chapter four. He said all that. Now I want you to remember that in the last days there's going to be all these people that are going to look godly but deny its power. They're going to have all these problems, all these sins. And notice what he says here in chapter four. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. 
who is to judge the living and the dead. Paul's really laying it on thick here, setting it up for Timothy. I'm charging you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. And here's the charge. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, for the time is coming, he says in verse 3, when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. So this is when it gets real serious about you and membership as a, as a church. Because as we see it and understand Scripture, the members of the church have the authority to, to say, you, you are to lead us as a pastor. You are to be away from us as far as possible. You have the power to put in this pulpit someone who will tickle your ears. That says, hey... I don't really like what you said this morning. You need to say something different. And if the preacher doesn't want to listen to you, you have the power to remove him and to put someone in the pulpit to say what you like. And that's what he's warning against. He's saying people will fill pulpits that will teach and preach in a way that upholds chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Now look back at chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Understand this. In the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, on and on and on and on and on. People love this. They love their sin. And then they want to get somebody to preach something that doesn't upset what they love. That's what he's warning against. So he says, Timothy... When they press upon you, you hold firm to sound doctrine. You hold firm to the right teaching that I've handed down to you. And in that, they'll repent. Right? Because why? Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with the eternal glory. Why? Because the word of God is not bound. You preach the word, Timothy. And it'll have effect, and it'll change the hearts and the minds. But do not let them push you out or, or tell you to teach what they want you to hear so they can continue in their sin. He says, always, as for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering that the time of my departure has come, and I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Remember we talked about last week that that doesn't mean he, he continued to believe. But he had kept he had, he had held on to that which in, it was entrusted to him. The faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Henceforth there is laid up for me in a, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, 
For Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Christens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke has, alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with, bring him with you, for he is very useful for me in ministry. Tychius I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. He didn't like the teaching. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all have deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greek, Greek Priscilla and Aquila and the household of one Sephorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, but I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greeting to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. And so if we read 2 Timothy and didn't come to the conclusion that doctrine matters, then we weren't listening. Uh, It greatly, greatly matters. It matters to our souls. It matters to the souls of our kids and our grandkids. It matters to the church. It matters to the church greatly. Because, and we'll, we'll, we'll mention this later this morning, a church that does not guard the good deposit of the gospel is no church at all. And it becomes a place. It becomes a, it becomes an, a tomb. It becomes a place where people come to die. And I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually. They come and they do not hear the power of the gospel that can save them. But like the Pharisees, and I've, you'll hear me say this this morning, Jesus told the Pharisees, you will go around the world twice to find a convert. And when you do, you will make them a double son of hell because of the way that they falsely teach them. And so we must not... Think lightly of the teachings of the scriptures, of our doctrine. We must not think it doesn't matter if we don't know them. They are the power to save. They are the power to keep. Any questions or thoughts on any of that? I'm not sure if we'll... Amen. I'm not sure if uh, Dan will be back next week, and if he is, he'll probably pick back up. But maybe one of these days we'll walk through Titus, and it's only it's only a page and a half long. And so, again, you're going to see the same same things um, same things brought forth.